Welcome to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundations. This weekly podcast explores how your Christian faith connects to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's your host, Executive Director of First Century Foundations, Jeff Feuders. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Jeff, and it's great to have you with us today. My guest today is a returning guest, Pastor Jim Woodard. And uh, Jim has been on the show before. He and his wife, Claudia, planted and pastor a non-denominational Crossroads Church in Belchase, Louisiana. And while serving as a pastor, Jim's eagerness to understand and communicate God's word led to the discovery of the Bible's original ancient uh, language known as Paleo-Hebrew. The ideas conveyed through a close study of the Bible's original pictorial language have opened up a, a new, vivid world of meaning that Jim is passionate to share and does so through seminars, writing, and YouTube. Jim and Claudia reside in New Orleans and have two grown children and five grandchildren. And so, Jim, it's great to have you back. Welcome back to the show today. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be here. Great to be here. Now, listen, this is something just totally unrelated, but as I was introducing you there, I realized you pastor a church in Belchase, Louisiana, but you live in New Orleans. Uh, you must be kind of close to the line there. Yeah, actually, it's a suburb, and we're we're only about 12 minutes from the facility, and so it's just a matter of, um, you know, crossing a parish line. We call it parishes here instead of counties, but just a matter of crossing a parish line, yeah. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Now, uh, how are you guys doing? How did you and your family fare through the latest Hurricane Ida that uh, that hit Louisiana just recently? Well, we we did well. Um, the uh, church had no damage, and our home had had just very very minor. Uh, it's an interesting scenario. At, uh, if you're unaware, we've had over the last 16 years a named hurricane hit our local area and cause damage. And in the midst of that, we also had the famous oil spill uh, offshore. And so we've had a, a litany over the last, you know, more than a decade of these things going on. And, and it's almost like every year, you know, you come to a point where you say, okay, it's time to get in recovery mode and uh, somebody is going to need some help. And so this year, it was a little to the west and south of us, uh, the, a place that hasn't been hit for quite a while, but they have some extremely severe damage down there. And, uh, it's going to take a while for them to, to get it back together. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that it uh, opens up lots of ministry opportunities for you uh, out of the church. And uh, having having had that long history, you're probably getting pretty good at it by now. Well, you know, that that's true. And I tell people, you know, starting with Katrina 16 years ago, if it hadn't been for the church, we wouldn't be back in operation. New, New Orleans, any place down here. I mean, the church... Uh, at large has been has been incredible in responding to these things, and we have people from all over the world that have come in and and given their time and and their effort. They go in and they they muck out these houses, they take the mud out of them, and and haul people's wet furniture wow. and clothing out. And yeah, and it's just yeah. amazing to see the service that that uh, that's been rendered for that. Yeah, really a blessing. Yeah. It is wonderful when you see the church rise up in moments of crisis and uh, and be be who they were called to be. You know, I think that that's yeah, uh, just an incredible absolutely. thing. Yeah. Well, Jim, we're going to talk a little bit more about Paleo Hebrew today, and uh, I, like I know that, that that's yeah. something that you're excited about. And remind our listeners uh, just quickly what is Paleo Hebrew exactly. 
Well, it's a very interesting story. I, you mentioned that I discovered it. I discovered it for myself, but, but it wasn't new. Um, the uh, Hebrew language was originally written in a pictorial form. Uh, it's 22 letters, just like we have now. Some say there could have been as many as 24 uh, you know, an- in ancient times. But each one of the letters were uh, represented as a picture. And, of course, that picture carried a meaning. And it carried a meaning, it's, it's very interesting to know, in the cultural context of that time. And so, you know, the, the, the hermeneutics professor will tell you in 101, the first rule is context, context, context. And so when you yeah. look at the ancient Hebrew pictographs, you have to look at them in the context of that cultural setting. And when you do, they begin to give you an idea. And so those pictures put together form a word picture. A, a word is actually a word picture. That's why so many times it's necessary when you translate from Hebrew to another language like English that it takes multiple words or even as much as a paragraph to really uh, express the whole meaning of that word. And so um, the idea of, of going back and learning what the pictures mean, what the pictographs mean, and then start to, to look at the scripture, it doesn't, it doesn't create a new theology. You know, you have to be very careful about that. But what it does, it just, as you mentioned, gives you a depth of understanding that we just can't get out of the English language. Right. Now, is there a simple example that you can give us again to just demonstrate how the meaning is derived from these paleo word pictures? Yeah, absolutely. If you go to the strongest concordance, the first word you see is of father. And it's two letters, the actually the first two letters of the alphabet, the aleph and the bet. The aleph in ancient times was was drawn as the uh, representation of the head of an ox. And of course in that cultural setting, an ox was the strongest thing you had. You know, you didn't have bulldozers or cranes or things like that. So if you had a heavy job you needed an ox to do that. And so it stands for strength or leader. You know, uh, it, if you really want to get something done, then you need the ox. The bet, on the other hand, was the picture of the floor plan of a tent, looking down on the top of a tent. And and so mm-hmm. that spoke to you of the house, of being inside, uh, of, of being the, the place of the actually the center of cultural activity in that culture was, was the house. So it carries a very right. important meaning. And not only just in the in the language, but in the story of the Bible, it carries a huge meaning. And so Aleph and Bet together is the word of, and that's the word father. So what is the father? He's the strength of the house. And so, I mean, every word in the Old Testament virtually has that kind of embedded meaning in it. Hmm. Okay. All right. So let's jump in. Let's look at a, at a yeah. word that uh, we didn't talk about the last time, but uh, can you help us understand uh, this name of God, Jehovah, better? Well, yeah, that's, that's a deep well, let me tell you. Uh, of course, Good. the first time we come across, yeah, the first time we come across that name is in Genesis uh, chapter 2. And, uh, and we're having a retelling of the story of Genesis chapter 1, the creation, and God identifies himself as um, uh, a Jehovah Elohim. And so we pronounce that word differently, and some will not even pronounce it. So that's, a, that's an interesting story as it develops. And so we look at the word, and it's four letters. We call it the, the, the uh, Tetragrammaton. We call it the uh, Hashem. It might be referred to by Jewish people because they don't like to pronounce the name. 
And the reasoning they they tell us is because they've lost the vowel pronunciations and they want to be sure what they are. And, and I think that certainly stands to reason. Uh, some would say Adonai. There are many translations in, in scriptures that would use the word Adonai. But God himself uses this name and he tells us how important it is. He says, I am the Lord God. We see that in the English, and sometimes it's unfortunate because we don't really see what that means in the background. But he says, I am uh, Jehovah Elohim. And so to find a, the, a, what that really means, we've got to go to the next camp up the, up the mountain, and that's found in Exodus chapter 3. Now, this is one of everybody's favorite stories, the, you know, the story of, Abraham, uh, of Moses at the burning bush. And uh, we have a very interesting right. conversation there where, where we get the context of God's name. And so he has this confrontation with Moses out in the middle of Midian at a burning bush. Now, first of all, it's not unusual for a bush to be burning in Midian. That's what we would call modern-day Saudi Arabia. And the natural gas is so prolific, it just leaks through the ground and catches on fire. So he sees that all the time. But he notices that this bush is not burning up. And that's a code for us. That's a, that's a secret that we need to start looking into. So he goes over to yeah. the bush, and we know he has a conversation. And so in the midst of that, the Lord says, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to bring my people out. And he says, well, when I go, I'm talking to a burning bush. Who should I say sent me? And uh, we're blessed because God took the time to give him an explanation there. And he gives him three names. He, uh, he starts, he says, I, I want you to go back and, and say, uh, a yay share, a yay sent you. And we translate that as I am as I am. And then he says, furthermore, I want you to go back and I want you to tell him, Ahye sent you. Now, those, those two names are extremely important in the context of the story. What's, okay. what's he going to do? He's going back to Egypt, and Egypt at this time has over 2,000 gods. And if they have a perceived need, they just make a new god for it. But he's supposed to go back and say, the god that has always been here, because he has no beginning, is the one that sent me back. That's what begins to establish God's preeminence in this whole setting as he, as he establishes his identity. And then furthermore, he says, I want you to go back and tell him, uh, you know, the God that's about to do what you're going to see sent me. Well, what does he then do? He does the plagues. And so God sends the plagues. So they see that, that, that uh, Moses' God is eternal and Moses' God is active. He can do things. And then he gets to the third name, which I think is very interesting because that brings us to today's conversation. He says, I want you to tell them that the Lord God sent you, that Jehovah Elohim. Now, something interesting we have to understand here is that, that Elohim is the word for a spiritual being. Angels are Elohim. There are, there are spiritual beings that are all called Elohim. So God is an Elohim because he is a spirit, but not all gods are are uh, are. Uh, and not all Elohim, I'm sorry, are God himself. That's why we have right. the word God with a little g in the scripture. And so he identifies himself as the one that's set aside. So we get this idea of yod He vav He, and, and when we do, it turns into, uh, there. it actually uh, is composed of two words, the, the yod He, and that Yod is the arm, and that arm speaks of the work or the deed that I'm going to do. And the He is, pay attention to this. So he wants people to pay attention to what he's done. He's the creator. He wants to be known as that. He wants to be known as the God of all creation. Then the second two letters are vav hey. The vav is a tent peg. And so it speaks of, of, as I mentioned, the word ad. It speaks of establishing. 
And so he says, I also want you to pay attention to what I have established. And so in identifying Mm. himself this way, he sets himself over all other God's little G, if you will. Um, that's amazing. And I think too, I, I love that text, uh, the story of the burning bush, because, um, yeah. I, I relate it always to, uh, you know, the story of, uh, just before Jesus heals the blind man, the man born blind. And he says to the Pharisees, uh, you know, before Abraham was, I am. And I, 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 I feel like every time Jesus says, I am, I am the light, I am the way, I am the bread of life. Every time he says, I am, that, that Jewish scholars are perking up because yeah. uh, they're hearing uh, what, what God said about himself uh, to their, you know, their hero, Moses, right? Am I, am I off base I there? Oh, no, no. It's a, it's a consistency that carries on. You know, and, mm. and I think that's what the Lord wants us to see is, is he knows who he is. He, you know, he has no identity crisis. And once right. we understand that, once we get the depth of that, and, and by the way, in that Exodus story, he goes on to tell Moses, he said, this is my name that I want to keep as a memorial forever. And so, right. you know, I, I realize and respect the fact that some don't want to pronounce the name because because they're, you know, they have this concern about the the sounds and things, but that's the name God gave himself and said, this is the one I want you to recognize me by. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let's, let's talk about that. Let's extrapolate that out a little bit because Jacob, as he, uh, you know, goes on his journey and, uh, you know, meets with God at, at Bethel and then eventually uh, wrestles with God, uh, God gives him a new name. Israel. And tell, tell us then how sort of all of this connects in, in the paleo when we get to the word Israel. Well, Israel is, is a result of God's intention that, that he has to have a lineage. And in that lineage, there has to be a connection. Of course, we know it mm. comes through this Judah, the son Judah. But in the word Israel, when he changes his name, uh, we find that story when he's coming back from uh, Haran. Uh, he went up there to get away from his brother Esau and to find a wife. He's coming back with two wives, two concubines, and 11 sons at this point. You know, So the story has really has really swollen, if you will. And, uh, and right. he kind of received the same treatment when he got there as he gave his brother when he ran away from him. And because of that, though, God's got a plan in all of this. God's got a sovereignty working in this whole story. He's coming back to meet Esau, and uh, and he's and he's afraid. He says, "What if my brother's still mad at me? You know, and mm-hmm. uh, what what if he kills me?" And so he devises this plan, and and he begins to send gifts ahead of him. And so uh, then he he uh, he has this this interesting confrontation with uh, the angel of the Lord, uh, where he wrestles all night. And after this wrestling match, he evidently has uh, has really persevered well, which I find kind of amazing. You know, if you're wrestling with God, uh, you know, you would you normally think, well, he's going to win pretty easily here. But this goes on evidently for an extended period of time, and uh, the angel of the Lord uh, lets him uh, continue to to kind of hold his place, and then at the end uh, touches him and in, in the hip and gives him this uh, this crippling effect. And he says, listen, he says, I, I'm going to change your name. Now, I think, I think that and the change of name with, uh, with uh, Abram and Sarah, we look at all of these instances, and that tells me in itself that this idea of the, the uh, letters having specific and unique meaning 
uh, really has some, um, uh, some validity. And so he does that with Jacob, and he changes him to Israel. That word has uh, root words embedded in it, which I find very interesting. The first one, uh, it's, a, it's a Yod, Shin, Resh, Aleph, Lamed. You take two letters of that, the Shin and the Resh, and guess what? We come up with the word prince. Well, we've already seen that in Sarah's name. So there's this, there's this ongoing connection that we have in what God's doing with his people. And so we know that, uh, that there's an idea of a, of a prince involved in Israel. And then the second one is the last two letters, the Aleph and the Lamed, and that's the word L. And we know that scripturally that's the reference to God so many times. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what's happening here? Well, you take the first letter, which is the Yod, and that's the arm. And God is saying, basically, I'm going to use you to do a work as a prince that will that will expose me, that will show the world me. That's great. So, so the idea of a prince who will who will show uh, the world uh, who God is. And uh, man, when I think about Israel as a nation uh, and their mm-hmm. history, and actually their their new history, you know, since since they've come back to the land in 1948, uh, this really is. I mean, we always tell people if you want to know what God is up to, uh, look to Israel. You know, see what's happening oh. there. This is this is the timepiece of of prophecy uh, now, right here in our in our own uh, in our own society, and so um, uh, all of that really does connect and sort of follow through right to today, doesn't it? Absolutely. Oh, they're just they're just a modern day example of a miracle. I mean, yeah. everywhere you look, and especially if you've been to the land, you know, you've seen it with your own eyes. It's just uh, it's just awe inspiring uh, to see what's yeah. going on there and uh, in such a tiny little place surrounded by people that are, you know, that are antagonistic, uh, but what God is doing uh, in technology and you know and, and in bringing people back from all over the world. I think I just read an article this week that uh, that they've brought people back at an increased rate during the COVID outbreak. You know, I mean, which is which is totally contrary to everything yeah. else we're hearing on the planet. You know, so yeah, yeah, no, God's definitely got His hand in all of that, doesn't He? Yeah, Amen. I, the The actual number is that during during COVID, uh, Aliyah is up thirty one percent. Thirty one percent. I just much? just read it the That's other amazing. day. It is amazing. That's it amazing. is absolutely amazing that that during this this pandemic, you know, that that people would be drawn uh, back to this this tiny country uh, where you know they have they've been sort of a, a shining example of how to deal with the pandemic in the early days, mm-hmm. and then also you know they they were the first to get hit with the Delta variant and have really struggled to to sort of. Yeah. get get back from that and yet still you know people are are drawn there and uh yeah. and Jews are returning at a at a very very you know almost miraculous rate at this moment so it's uh, it's That's very incredible. neat to see you know, I, I can't even go and all of a sudden they have this huge uh, increase in all yeah that that's that's an amazing story yeah yeah now let's go back just quickly to Genesis 12 because when we talk about okay. Israel and all the all the things we've been talking about actually you know we we have we have been referencing this fact that that uh there is a, a blessing essentially on on mm-hmm. Israel. You know, God talks to to Abraham to to Avraham about the fact that uh, he will be the father of many nations, and that through through him uh, the nations will be blessed uh, at large as well. And and those that those that bless 
we believe Israel will be blessed as well. So, so talk about this word blessed uh, that comes out of the text there in Genesis 12. Can paleo help us understand what this means on a deeper level? Well, I think it not only can help us understand more, I think it can change our whole paradigm. I really do. Mm-hmm. This, this, is, this is one of those words that's really powerful. Um, and when God is, is telling uh, Abram that I, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing, uh, you know, we, we say, well, we begin to think about material terms. It, it's unfortunate right. the concept we have of the word bless. Uh, and, and if you translate it, literally, it means to, to kneel. That's the word that we would use as a, as a modern day translation. And so um, that begins to, to, to start to uh, stir up a little curiosity when we think about the idea that to bless means to kneel. Uh, you know, we certainly want to bless God. Uh, and if all we can do is kneel before him, you know, then that, that begs the question, well, how does he bless us? Is all he can do kneel before us? But we, but then we say, well, no, I want you know, God blessed me with this, or God blessed me with that. I think we've really got to look back uh, to what the original idea was that that I believe God was talking to Abraham about. And the word bless is the word barach. It's uh, in it in this form. It's three letters. It's a bet. That's the floor plan of the tent, as we've talked about already. So it it right. means a house. It means to to be inside of a house. And and by the way, this idea of a house starts with not just the first word of the Bible, but the first letter, Bereshit. The first letter is a bet. The second letter is a resh, man, and as it is here in, in this word. And so we have this idea of God wants to build a house and put mankind in it. And I think, I think that can really send us off on a great journey as we go through the scripture, if that's our mm-hmm. basis. And so he says, look, I want to bless you. So bet is the picture of the house. Uh, Resh is the picture of a man, the head of a man. And so somehow this idea of bless has to, has to do with affecting the house the man is in. Well, we know, thanks to the Apostle Paul, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. And I think once we understand that concept, we, be, we can begin to internalize this word in a way that we never have before. How does God want to affect that? That's where the third letter just really sticks out. It's the letter kaf. And in ancient Hebrew, the letter kaf was the picture of a palm. Now, once again, we've got to look at this idea of context. If we get out of context, we won't fully understand. But the palm can be used to cover something and stop it from growing or being filled. It can be used to turn upside down. It can be open where you can receive something. But I think in this particular word, the letter kaf has a different meaning. And we've all done this, by the way. Someone comes to the front door of your house you want to welcome them in. You never were trained to do this. You open the door. What do you do? You swing back your hand and you say, well, come in. And all we're doing is we're showing the use of an ancient Hebrew pictograph there. I want to give you access to my house. So when we think about the idea of the word bless, what it means, I believe, is to give man access. Now, it works in all the different circumstances. Think about that. Isn't that cool? Uh, yes. So God said, I want to bless you. What does he want to do? He wants to give us access to who he is and to what he is. That's why it's important that we understand the fullness of his name, because this is not about a car or a house or you know a big screen TV. This is about having access to the very person of God, to the presence of God. And so his blessing means that don't start identifying some way that I can bless you. 
be focused on who I am and, and get your access to me, and then all of these other things will work. Thanks to King David, we also know that it works both ways. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so we want to give God access to us too. Mm. And it's in that relationship that we, that we find that, uh, that we function best in the kingdom of God. And as you mentioned a while ago, it happens through Yeshua. Uh, our spirits have to be born anew. We have to have this, this way to have a communication with God. And it's the spirit part of man that's born again. Why? Because of the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. I mean, this is all one, obviously one big integrated picture, but this idea of blessing is a matter of having access to God. And so that means that, that any one of us that knows Christ can sit down, stop, we can pray. And when we pray, we have access to the throne room of heaven. Now, you and wow. I just talked about the fact we, we may not be able to get in Israel right now. You know, we couldn't go to the, to the capital of our country. I couldn't go to the White House and just walk right in. I don't have the credentials, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can go into the throne room of heaven. I do have the credentials for that. Why? Because God wants to give me access. And that is the blessing. Wow. That's really good, Jim. I, uh, yeah. you know, this and this whole idea of, of of it being access, you know, giving men access to God. Um, I know, I know the New Testament we have it in Greek, but uh, when I now think of of uh, the Sermon on the Mount of the Beatitudes uh, and all of Jesus' statements about blessed is the man. That's right. uh, man, that that radically changes how that, we understand. Kind of explodes that. that I'm telling you, it's a paradigm change. It really is. It really is. It really is. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And 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 not only that, it it's a faith builder, a confidence builder, because you know, so many times we get this picture of a God that we don't have access to. He's in heaven. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's he's a, a more than we are. His ways are higher than our ways, according to Isaiah. All those kinds of things, and so we get this this internalized concept that, that we don't have access to God, but it's just the opposite. I mean, his, his, his yeah. cry to us is I want to give you access, you know, Amen. and it's, and so we let other things get in the way of that. We, and you know, this goes back to the garden of Eden. Uh, what, what happened with Eve? She, she moved her eyes off of God and she began to see that the tree was nice to look at, good to eat. And then it would give her, make her like God. And so we do the same thing. We get our eyes off of God himself, who's given us access to his very person, and we start looking at the things. And Jesus addressed it. He says, seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's his righteousness? That's being hooked on God, you know, and all these things will be added. That's just, you know, that's a byproduct. That's a byproduct. Oh, this is really good stuff. And um, one one other thing, can can you tell us if if that word that we're talking about uh, in in Genesis twelve is the same word uh, where the when the Bible talks about you know that those who bless Israel uh, will will also be blessed? Is it the same Hebrew word? Well, yeah, obviously the same thought because what uh, we need to give Israel access to us mm. so that we have access to Israel. Uh, because, I mean, after all, we want to be grafted into this idea, right? We want to be grafted into this identity. Right. So, yeah, the, the idea that we need to have that open relationship is critical. Uh, again, you know, we, have, we look at this on a, on a temporal basis. And so we say, well, you know, if, if, if I give money to Israel, 
then God's going to somehow bless me back, you know, reciprocally or something. That should be secondary. It's important. It's very important, but it should be secondary. Our heart should be on what is God doing with Israel, because right. that ha- that is the key to what's going to happen to us eternally. Yeah. And, uh, and so we want that to be God's best. We want that to be his perfect will, his, you know, his, his desire. And so, um, so this idea of, of doing what we do in the temporal, in the natural, in the physical to bless Israel, according to our definition of, you know, of, of giving is certainly important because why it reveals the heart and the heart's right. where the whole issue is in the first place. You know, that's that old word lev, what controls the house. And so that reveals our heart and, and, uh, uh, and our heart is to have access. Now, the interesting thing I think, Jeff, is that once we get, once we get involved in that on a heart level, then all of a sudden the Lord begins to open up some of these things about the idea, the concept, the reality of Israel that we're blinded to before that. I mean, you know, you, you know that because you've been there yes. so many times, you go to all these places and a lot of people take their journey over there. They'll take their pilgrimage and they'll go to a, a place and, and it's all nice and everything. Other people go and all of a sudden it's a God experience, you know? I mean, I, I've had those every time I go and yeah. why it's because it's because this is so important. Uh, that we have access to God and that and that he gives us a place to do that, a, a physical place on the planet. And that place is Israel. We can just see so much, learn so much, and, uh, and associate with so much. And so, yeah, that's, that's an important issue. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, by the way, if you're listening, we do have a tour planned. It's uh, December 5th through the 14th, and we're still trying to uh, fill that tour. Uh, Israel has opened up to tour groups of five to about 30 people at the moment. And so uh, with proper protocols, we can go in that context. And so if you're interested uh, in going to Jerusalem this year, then uh, you can come with us. All the information is on our website, firstcenturyfoundations.com. You can go to the tour section and check that out. Now, Jim, uh, it's been great to have you back on the show today. And before I let you go, uh, I want to have you remind people, first of all, about your website. What is your website again so that folks can visit? Our website is Hebrew Word Picks, all one word, hebrewwordpicks.com. And uh, there we have, um, we've got... Uh, uh, books that we've written. We've got uh, art that uh, my partner, Marla Jean, has done. You can see a couple of examples behind me on the wall uh, mm. of ancient or Paleo-Hebrew, and it's really a blessing to have. And And I've got some teachings and things, and it will link you to the videos that we've done on YouTube that will explain different words uh, more than we've talked about today. So yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. If we can if we can help you anyway, you know, my theme, as I've told you before, Jeff, is have story, will tell. I, I just love yeah. to talk about this. And, and uh, I think it's just so exciting. Well, it's it's great. And, uh, you know, when we're in Israel, we say to people when we greet them or when we are leaving them, we say to them uh, shalom, which means uh, which, you know, we've always believed means either peace or or, uh, you know, peace on your on your house. Uh, all of those kinds of thoughts. Um also, we use it for hello and goodbye. But but just before you uh, sign off today, give us the just remind me again about the the paleo explanation for the word shalom. <laughs> yeah, well, again, this is a great one. Shalom, uh, four letters: a shin, a lamed, a vav, and a mem. The shin is a picture of two front teeth, and so it speaks of of uh, separating, uh, just like you would, just like a wild animal would if it caught another one. Uh, uh, the uh, vav is the picture of the tent peg, and it means to establish. 
And the uh, Lamed, the second letter, would be the uh, shepherd's crook, but it's upside down, so it's controlling. It's doing a work. And the final letter, the Mem, is pictures of, of waves of water. And in the cultural context for this word, it speaks of chaos or mystery. And so the word shalom is uh, destroy, shim, destroy the authority that causes the chaos. And so you might remember Jesus told his disciples, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace, not the peace of the world. Mm -hmm. So the peace of the world can't do what Jesus can. He can destroy the authority that causes the chaos in your life. That's why he came to destroy the works of the devil. And, uh, and he did it to, to bless us, to give us access. Amazing. And that, by the way, that's why that Arianic blessing is so important. You know, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he get, you know, and uh, it just it just continually ties together. It's just one beautiful mosaic that comes together. Wow. Well, thank you again. It's uh, been great to have you with us. And I know that uh, we'll likely talk again in the future in this kind of a context, but uh, just some rich, rich meaning that you've helped to bring out for us today. And uh, the Lord bless you, Jim. Shalom. Well, thank you. It's been just a joy to be with you, Jeff, and the Lord bless you.